0: You're listening to the Story Embers Podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, James Nola, and welcome to Episode 51, How to Make Large Changes During Revisions. Welcome to the Story Embers podcast. I'm your new host, James Nola. As Grace mentioned in the last episode, she's had to step down from her work here at Story Embers. And so I'm replacing Grace as the new podcast manager for Story Embers. If you wanted to know a little bit about me, I'm a writer, I write young adult fantasy novels. And so I'll get to learn right alongside you guys as I have these discussions with these amazing writers I live in Australia, as you might be able to tell by my accent. I live on a peaceful property where kangaroos actually jump through the driveway, which is so nice to be around. It's such a privilege to step into this role at Story Embers, and I'm so looking forward to sharing with you all the discussions I've had and will have with the amazing Story Embers team. It's such a delight to hear all the wisdom that they have around Story craft. And I'm so looking forward to bringing you guys into those conversations. Here's the conversation I had with the team on making large revisions. I hope you enjoy listening to their thoughts as much as I did. Hi, everyone. I'm James Nola. I'm Martin Detweiler.
1: I'm Laurie Scott. And I'm Deus Lamb.
0: Editing can be tough, especially when we have to make changes to large chunks of our novel. So in today's episode, we're chatting about ways to make it easier when tackling these large changes during edits. My first question for today, how do you determine if you need to make large structural changes to the revision process or not?
2: Well, I'll jump in first here, um, and hopefully you guys can elaborate a little bit more on what I'm saying. Uh, I write shorter works since I write for children, and so it might be a little bit easier for me to make revisions, but um, recently switched over to writing longer works. I have a, a young adult novel coming out soon, and I had to make a large revision in that because there was a pretty big plot hole in there, and I'm like, oh, this isn't going to work. I'm going to have to go back in and make some changes. And the thing is, when I made a change later in the book, I had to actually go back through the rest of the manuscript and make sure that I planted seeds and and did the work to to build that up. It wasn't just a right in this area, I'm going to change it. I actually had to go through the whole thing and make sure I put that in. So I liked the way it worked out. But for me, that was a pretty large Revision that I needed to make.
3: I like that example, Lori. So, how did you get to the point of knowing you needed to make that change?
2: Well, I regularly meet with a critique group, and if you don't have one, you you really need to. And these ladies are fabulous. They they are well published themselves, and one of them is an editor. And they ask questions like, "Well, why did she react this way?" You know, because in my mind, I've got the whole story laid out and I forget that people can't actually see into my brain and see what I'm thinking. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I need to go back and put that motivation in or I need to go back and show why she's reacted this way. Or if she's going to have this particular skill, I need to make sure that I show that earlier in the story. So that was a helpful thing for that revision. And then what I did for the second book, because they had asked me to write the second book in the series, was when I did that one, I was like, I am going to avoid having to do that big revision process. So for the second one, I wrote a very detailed outline, which, you know, we have those different people, the planner, oh, I'm going to say it wrong. Someone help me with it.
3: Plotters or answers. Yes,
2: yeah. So we have that argument on which is which. And for me, I found what worked was to write a very detailed, like, paragraph about what I want that story to be, and I'm hoping that will take care of of me having to go back and make some major revisions to the story. I guess I could ask too, do any of you use some of those software programs that help you with that process? I have not used any
1: outlining software. I found it pretty easy just to use a basic outline, like I really like uh, Cam Weiland's outlining structure. You can find that, I think it's on her blog, um, Helping Writers Become Authors under, I think it's the Resources tab, where she has an article series on it too, and some books. Uh, That's maybe a 12-point or so plot structure. Not extremely detailed, but pretty thorough for getting the overarching plot of your book. So I have to just fill in some basic details to help me stay on track there, and then there's still some gaps that are left for me to have some wiggle room as I'm going through chapter by chapter.
3: So like Laurie, I typically write shorter fiction. I've kept myself to short stories, um, which generally allows me to make the changes I need to as I'm developing the story. I think I can second Laurie that um, writing groups and, and having beta readers involved with your process Is going to be your golden ticket here
1: I might just respond to this question with my own question so if someone's asking how do I know if I need to make this major revision I might ask them are you emotionally ready to make this major revision because I know personally at times I have not been emotionally ready to make the revisions that need to happen Uh, I used to say that I would try to fix a problem the least work possible <laughs> so if someone was like why is the character acting this way i don't understand i'd go only me add one sentence that will explain this all or if i was really determined three sentences something like that but it didn't work out so well and uh that was just because i was lazy and it was emotionally hard to go back and get myself out of this uh framework why I was just so immersed in the story that it all made sense to me and see it from the reader's perspective so you need to have the the willingness to think well now I've put in I don't know a year into this book maybe I'll have to put in uh, a week figuring out what I even needed to do to fix this and another two months to fix this big problem that's intimidating that's humiliating but think of what it's gonna turn out in the end and it's gonna be worth it You're going to learn the lesson one way or the other, either by doing it the right way the first time or doing it the wrong way and then feeling bad about it. So be emotionally ready. Um, I love what Lori and Martin have said. I also think it's helpful to either print your book out or view view it on a Kindle or get some sort of audio recording something so it's not just on your word processor because that has helped me and many others view the book more like a reader. Unless, less like the author who's way too familiar with it.
2: I love what you said there. That, that's very practical and very useful advice. So I appreciate hearing that so much. I will say one thing I love to do, and I don't know if it's the teacher in me or not, but I love revision. And I don't mind taking a big chunk and just saying, nope, and throwing it away. But I do have a friend who saves those little snippets and then she uses them later, like, here's a little side story. Um, she uses it for, like, newsletters and getting people to sign up for her email. And I think that's brilliant. But I really like what you said, that to have that on audio and listen to that and get that feedback, uh, try to change your perspective. But the magic occurs in the revision. And so I, I think we need to embrace that and I don't know, the brain really does thrive on challenges. It's just getting it just right. One thing that I think helps with that, which is gonna sound really strange, is writing poetry. Because when you write poetry, you have to write very, very succinctly. Now that doesn't do with like great big revisions, but I could spend an hour rewriting a poem to get the wording just right. And there's a certain satisfaction that comes with that But that also frees you up to think, here I have to make this big change, but I know if I do the work, it's gonna be totally worth it and it's gonna have that much more meaning and depth if I do it.
0: So, many writers struggle to know how to tackle large structural changes during the revision process. What recommendations would you have for how to go about the process?
1: What I have tried to do is to just read through my story without stopping or at least the section that I'm trying to fix to uh, not focus on grammatical details, prose, even scene structure, anything like that. Just look look for the big picture and then go aside, take a walk or something just to focus on that that one problem. Because it's very easy if you're going through line by line and fixing a little thing here and a little thing there And you're also got the big picture in the back of your mind to get distracted or to get emotionally exhausted from all these little tweaks you're making and not having energy left for the bigger visions you need. And I usually don't have all the smarts up here to make the perfect edit. So um, my wife is my critique partner, which is awesome. Um, But I also have some other people like some of my uh, top beta or alpha readers who are have really helpful insight. I like to balance things off them. Um, in fact, I'll often maybe get an exchange going where I say, hey, uh, I need to make this giant revision. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. Do you think this is going to fix the problem? And uh, maybe some people will say, yeah, that would be great. And some people, no, actually, I think, and then they'll go explain, like, maybe it was the character's motivation wasn't clear. That explains a little bit, but there's still this other thing that I don't understand. And I go, oh, now we need to fix that too. So I like to have a group discussion for that and really with any major thing I'm editing because um, you know, more counselors, more
3: wisdom. Love that, Deus. Excellent advice. I think what I would do here is get yourself a whiteboard because that will expand your visual space to tackle the problem, lay it out, lay out the sublists of what this is going to affect, how this is going to... Um, influence character A's arc, character B's, everyone in the cast. If you have a large whiteboard and you can just lay all this out, it gives you more space to work with all of the many elements that are going to be affected by this big change. I personally love using whiteboards when I'm brainstorming at the beginning of a project. And for me, at least, I, I don't have a great visual imagination in my head. So it really, really helps to put it all out where I can see it all at once. And it's I'm not scrolling through anything. I'm not flipping through pages of a notebook. I have all of it laid out in front of me. And I just find that it, it keeps the whole picture very clear in my mind. And I can see the details and I can see the trees and the forest in one glance.
2: So here's a really big revision that I made. Um, I have had a story in the back of my mind that I've been working on. And um, it was actually one of the first stories I wrote when I started writing, and it kind of sat in the background for a while. I keep coming back to this story because I really liked the idea, and I would love to have it as a book, but when I tried to write it at the level it was at, it just wasn't working. It was a story that has an angel in it, and that's always tricky to write because you want to be biblically accurate and there's problems. And there was a relationship in there that just wasn't working. And so I tried, I took one version to my critique group. No, it didn't work. I took a second revision to my critique group. Didn't work. And finally, I just took a totally new perspective. I'm like, I'm not going to tell it from this character's point of view. I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to have two middle school boys. And how would they interact with this character who was originally a college student and a college professor? Now i brought it down to a middle grade, age level, and that story just took off. I just completely drafted. I completely love it. It's my favorite. I probably won't have a chance to work on it for another year since I'm working on this other project. But I mean, that's a huge revision to simply take the story and say, I am going to not write it for this audience, I'm going to write it for a completely different audience with a completely different approach to how it's going to go. And once I made that change, it fell into place. But I had to go through a lot of trials before I found which was the right approach for this particular story. I did have one person who decided they wrote their story and was they really struggled with it. And so they changed the point of view from third person to first person. And for them, that really worked to make their story take off. But she had to do a lot of revising.
3: Yeah, just something real quick. I would quantify the change itself and how it's going to affect your plot, your theme, your characters, your setting. Just lay it all out in as clear and concise terms as you can so that you yourself have a really detailed foundation to work off of as you start going through page by page and changing things you may know you have a problem you may actually be able to enunciate it pretty clearly but if you really get down to the nitty gritties and say okay this is what needs to change here in regards to the plot this is what needs to change here in regards to how the climax leads up and and how the falling action happens and getting the foundation of what you're actually Changing, I think, is is going to be really helpful as you move forward to execution.
0: We'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. For
4: today's mid-roll break, we will be going over novel marketing's sixth commandment: book marketing, which is own your own platform. As you may know, in the past. Facebook was known for being a great place to build a large audience which you could reach very cheaply. However, in recent years, it has become much harder for authors to reach their fan base without using paid advertising. This is just one example of how the ground can shift from underneath you if you're relying on somebody else's platform to reach your audience. That's why you must own your own primary platform. So, what does that actually look like? There are two good signs that you actually own your platform. One, you have to pay for it. Two, it's simple and nearly hassle-free to leave and move to a different platform if you so choose. Authors should really own their own website, web hosting, and their own email list. I would also add that in our current cancel culture heavy age, you may also have to worry about degrees of ownership. For instance, in the past year or so, there was a case where MailChimp actually closed off access from a company to their own email list. Now, for the vast majority of MailChimp users, that will not be a problem. Probably for the foreseeable future, it won't be a problem unless you're heavily political. However, who knows? It's always best to be safe. So do some research into the hosting platforms you are using. I'll also add it's a good idea to keep backups of your website and email list for extra security. For more book promotion and platform help, Subscribe to the Novel Marketing Podcast on your favorite podcast app, or visit novelmarketing.com.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to our discussion on making large changes during revisions. So far, Laurie, Martin, and Deus have shared some tips on how to know if you need to make significant changes, and how to go about tackling them. But now I want to ask, are there any times you've had to drastically change parts of a work during revisions? And if so, what did that look like?
1: Well, with the book I just recently published, The Songkiller Symphony, I did almost completely rewrite it. The first draft was horrible. And um, I think I I kept maybe half the scenes, half I completely rewrote, and the ones I kept were still greatly changed, but for the most part. And uh, that wasn't just it. I also changed the point of view of the main character from third person to first person, so most of the book is third person for any other side character point of views, but the main character's point of view is first person now. And that was not my idea, I believe that was my uh, substantive editor who um, just had that brilliant piece of advice for me. So that kind of relates to what Laurie was saying about um, changing point of view, changing character. I think that's a great thing to do, even just to improve your writing. One time I wrote a short story that I uh, just completely rewrote the whole thing in a different point of view and it kind of taught me a little bit about which point of view is better at uh, what. I think I went from maybe omniscient to deep third person and that was great. So I learned a lot. With the process of rewriting my book, I learned that it was worth it to do so. I really quantified because I had to what was wrong with it throughout the whole thing, and basically it was scene, stru- scene structure. And from then on, I've been doing far better with my scene structure. So don't look at a big plot problem or character problem or theme problem as the end of the world. Look at it as an opportunity to become a machine at doing that from now on because the pain is going to make it cemented in your brain. You won't
3: forget it. I have had to change parts of my work during revision, and that's a fun story that leads to why I don't or why I haven't yet written a full-length novel. And that's because right out the gate, as an early, young, excited writer, I thought I could just dive in headfirst and write a whole novel. And then I realized I wanted to tell the story from earlier. And so I made a big change to tell it from that character's father's perspective. And then later on, I made another big change to entirely change it from talking animals to humans and cultures and civilizations. And basically, every time I had to make a drastic change, it got bigger. So by the end of my attempt to write one novel, I had the plan, Plans for a few series of books. And I realized that pretty much meant I needed to scale myself back and work on stories from start to finish. And that for me meant short stories and really getting the heart and pathos of a theme across concisely without all the fanfare and some of those short stories occur within the larger worlds i built during that process of drastic change and expansion but i'm the only one that really knows that extra extra detail and so it's been actually a lot of fun because i have a backdrop that nobody else knows about that actually fuels the the kind of the pinnacle coming to the surface that everyone else sees it's this little short story that uh, hopefully packs a punch and takes them through that process.
2: I was going to say, playing off of guys, um looking at the two things that you brought forward together, like um, Darius, that idea that you still come across as a winner. It's a win-win situation because in the process of revision, you're learning. And that's the thing as writers, we are always learning and improving. I don't think I'm ever going to get to the point where I say, oh, that's it, I graduated. I'm done. So I love, even if it doesn't get published, I love the idea that I'm doing this and I'm learning something. And then going to what you said, Martin, about the short stories, such a valuable, often overlooked skill to have is those short stories. When I started writing, that was where I started with those short stories from the short stories that trained me how to write a longer story that led to the Megan Rose series that were around 7,000. 500 words. That's still pretty short. Um, but then to go from there to a 70,000 word book for inside the 10-foot line, I could not have done that right off the bat. It's training. It's a win-win. So that revision, the way you view it, it's not a chore. It's a learning opportunity. And that's what makes it such a valuable thing to master and to consider. So I love what you both said.
1: You said, Lori, that you really appreciate it when someone revises, even if it's not going to be published. I just wanted to mention, I think it's in our breakthrough course in the Academy. One of the lessons goes and actually talks about that, where some writers will just go from draft to draft to draft, like little bunnies skipping across the field. and uh, But they never take the time to seriously revise, and that's what's keeping them from getting to that novel that's actually going to be finished. Perfect and uh, just building their skills so they can get published and, and feel really satisfied about that story. So, even if you have a gazillion ideas for novels, just slow down a little bit and revise, and you'll be much happier down the line.
0: So, my last question for this episode What would you say to a writer who knows that he or she probably needs to make large changes like this, but is having a hard time finding the will to go through with it?
1: Take a large chunk of money that you don't want to lose and give it to a responsible adult and tell them to keep it if you don't
3: do their <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think uh, both Deus and Lori under the previous question, uh, did really well to underline the worthwhile nature of making large changes that take a large amount of work for long times. Is that the, the benefit to yourself as a writer is going to be big? the benefit to your story is going to be noticeable. The more time you put into something in order to make it better, the better it will get. And it is difficult, of course, but all great things really are difficult. And um, this is one of those things that has a measurable outcome that is good. And it is it is one to yourself and ultimately to your readers as they hopefully will encounter that story in its better perfected form. And also to zoom out a little bit further, striving for excellence in art and storytelling is something that reflects well on the nature of God and of the beauty he has imbued the universe with and the beauty that resides within truth. And the more effort and time and artistry we pour into our stories to reflect that, the Better the story itself will be able to show God's fingerprint to your reader. So that is a very big picture motivation, but I think it's one that it's helpful to remember as we are sitting there faced with a mountain of editing.
0: Thank you guys for joining me on this episode, and thanks to all of you listeners who tuned in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Have a topic or question you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast? email info at storyembers.org to let us know and as always special thanks to our patreon supporters taylor clarkson michael stanton and renee kennedy and finally join us again on july 18th as we interview a very special guest sarah ella author of the powerful novel coral in the next episode of the story embers podcast